welcome to this week's episode of Please Watch This, a film podcast where two film-loving mates with gaps in their viewing history recommend films to one another so they can once and for all answer the question, who has better taste? My name is Hugh Dempsey, joining me as always is Sam Blakely. Hello, Sam. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, how are we doing? Thought I'd bring a creepy energy with me this week. I don't know why. Right, okay, that was unnecessary. I need to clean everything um yeah i'm good uh i think you asked how i'm doing i can't remember but yes i am sam how are you hugh not too bad still alive have you murder suicided your whole family yet through the old quarantine uh well i live on my own so i have no one to murder suicide just yet but well, i might part of that I could, al- I could always attack a few neighbors if i'm feeling bored yeah and they're being loud uh, as always Yep, as always. <laughs> yeah, for those who don't know, I have a neighbour upstairs who uh, is just a nightmare. <laughs> but we're not here to talk about that, are we, <laughs> No, we're not, no. We're not. We're here to talk about this week's film, which is the 2013 um, film Snowpiercer. That's right, Snowpiercer. directed by Bong Joon-ho. Oscar recent winning. Os- recent Oscar winning for uh, the first Oscars. ever... Yeah, uh, the first ever director to win a uh, Best Film Oscar with a uh, international foreign language film. So, yes. It was surprising. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was. Did you see Trump's response? Classic, classic Trump. Uh, I did not know because, um, yeah, why? Why would that Trump <laughs> why would he? he was kind of like, oh, you got this film coming over here, you know, speaking Korean, and it wins the best Oscar. What's that all about? It's, kind of, it's basically appealing to all the worst parts of America, as, which is basically his raison d'etre. So, you know. Well, it's worked for four years so far. Absolutely, so far. But, part you know, again, we're not here to talk the... about Trump either. <laughs> but a part of me does hope that this whole coronavirus kind of sort of... Look, if he makes a mess of it, then people die, and yeah. that's that's the problem, isn't it? Wishing he makes a mess of something means I'm kind of wishing for people to die, <laughs> which I'm not. It's so. like football fans hoping their team lose so they get rid of the manager and get a better one in. You know, there's a yeah, but I, I just I don't think it'll make a difference. Honestly, I don't. Yeah. But you know, no. I mean, we're not here to talk about politics, but then again, it is quite a political film that we're watching. <laughs> yes, it is actually there? professional. Episode 37. Would have been more professional if you hadn't mentioned it, but there you go. <laughs> yeah, I shouldn't call attention to it. Not not to worry, not to worry. So, Hugh, um, enough of the gay banter. What is this film? Tell, us, tell the listener, you know, we are spoiler, we're a spoiler podcast, let's face it. Yep. Can you tell the listener, what is this film? So, basically, the synopsis, so I'll give a synopsis for this film, I'll give a brief rundown what it's about, and uh, for those, so if you haven't seen it, if you're listening to it with somebody who hasn't seen it, they're going to get some spoilers right now. So, Sam, in a future where a failed climate experiment has frozen the majority of humanity... He's reading it again. It re- See, if you say he's reading again, it's just a quick synopsis. They know that you're reading it, yeah, go for it. I wrote, for it. yeah, they know that, because I wrote, I wrote, look, I, I wrote it this week, rather than stole it off the internet, which is important. <laughs> yeah. It's remnants travel on a train which circumnavigates the globe once a year. On board this Noah's Ark, a strict social hierarchy has emerged, all controlled by the train's constru- uh, constructor and engineer, Wilford. The story follows the struggle of a desperate band of tailenders led by Curtis, Chris Evans' character, and, fo- and followers... And sorry, and follows their battles to reach the front of the train so they can once and for all overthrow the system. Um, so this film is a fable about capitalism and social hierarchy and uh, elitism and the different classes mixing together, all set on the uh, claustrophobic sort of setting of a train in a post-apocalyptic world, essentially. Uh, it stars so Chris accurate. Evans. Yep, as I mentioned, stars Chris Evans, Song Kang Ho, Jamie Bell, Tilda Swinton, Octavia Spencer, Ewan Bremner, uh, Transporting Zone, Ko Ang Sung, Vlad Ivanov, Ed Harris, and the late great John Hurt. Indeed, indeed, stellar cast. Yes, it's uh, but um, yeah, it's a Chris Evans vehicle ultimately, isn't it? In terms of what it does, and yeah. Tilda Swinton's brilliant in it. Um, Ed Harris, he's, he's fine in it. He does an Ed Harris. <laughs> he he's good, but he's... Moon. Oh, not Man in the Moon. Well, I mean, he is a Man in the Moon in Truman yeah. Show. Uh, I think. So, yeah. um, Hugh, I'd never seen this before. Uh, there's no particular reason why. It just never appealed to me and never got round to it. And here we are watching it. So I'd never seen it. Hugh, presumably you'd seen it a couple of times, maybe more. Do you want to tell us, uh, me and the listener, why you like it and why you recommended it? Um, well, 
So first thing I want to ask you actually is when did you hear about this film? Good question. Um, I don't honestly know. I don't think I heard about it at the time. It's no, not something did that I. was. Yeah, I was not. Um, did I hear that they were thinking of making an American version of it? And then when, I, when I watched it, I was like, well, this is an American version of it. Just happens to be a Korean director with a few non-white people in there. Yeah. Is this technically a Korean film? Um, it looks like it's a joint Hollywood-Korean production because right. it was um, it was financed by the now disgraced Weinstein Company. Of course it was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so I was, I was wondering maybe if that played a role in, in me not knowing which party. Yeah, so it's probably only in the last two or three years that it's really come to the to come into my... Yeah, I must mention know, that it is, it is loosely based off a French graphic novel from 1982 uh, called uh, Le Trans... I'm going to butcher this <laughs> uh, oh I've not written it down <laughs> Oops, the, tra- it? the train piercer <laughs> uh, le tron- le- what was it le trans piercage or something like that something like that yeah yeah that's been perfect now speaking of unprofessional I haven't actually written that down but yeah that was uh, written by uh, Jacques Lobb and illustrated by Jean-Marc uh, Rochette Right. And, uh, and obviously neither of us have read that so no. that's as and far as I'll go with that apologies listen yeah. um, and uh, Jacques Lobb uh, unfortunately he passed away some years ago but uh, Jean-Marc Rochette he's still alive and he you know the illustrations in the film mm-hmm. um, that the the um, there's a character who draws things and they use the pictures of the children uh, to try and identify them later on in the film he, sat, they were actually all those images were drawn by uh, Jean-Marc Rochette that's very so, good so that's very a great trivia yeah, yeah, it's interesting that they brought him. I mean, they you know they should have done, but it's fascinating that he was actually allowed to work on the film like so intimately. Yeah, and that he, that he would have a, an inclination to do that because a lot of graphic novel makers. I'm looking at you, Alan Moore. Don't really like <laughs> uh, their, their novels being adapted. No, or like moving images. It would seem. <laughs> <at all. laughs> But yeah, speaking of people with uh, overt political subtext in their oh, uh, in their pro in their graphic novels, professional um, segues. This, we are hitting the marks almost. With two out of three is not. I bad. keep drawing attention to it. <laughs> you do, you do, you you, you ruin it. And you, you know, it's, <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this film, like I said earlier, it's essentially what I like about it. It's a future like post-apocalyptic film that basically it's a, it's a parable about class struggle and. You know, for all that that sounds really boring, because this is an action film, it's very well made. It's very, it's really enjoyable. That kind of fusion of Korean cinema in there is very different to what you're used to seeing as a Western audience. So I really, really enjoyed that. It kind of had that sort of old boy esque feel to it, where you know there's these um, side profile tracking shots in the fight scenes going slow motion. Um, you know, you can really see that in this film. That's really enjoyable. Um, it's you know, it's an art house film. It's very stylistic. You know, it's not. You, you, at no point do you think, well, this is believable because it's not meant to be. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if, you if you you know, I was, you know, I was thinking last week about um, a quiet place and my review of that and what I thought of that, and I said that, you know, ultimately I just couldn't sus- suspend my disbelief. Yeah despite how good the film was, how well it was made, how... And I think I was a little harsh, and I think maybe this week I look at this film and go, well, how do you suspend your disbelief in this film? Because <laughs> it's ultimately a difficult film to suspend your disbelief. Do you think the point is, as you said, that it's a parable, so do you feel like it's not as important? Perhaps. I don't know. I just kind of... I think, for me, the point in which I kind of bought into this film when I first watched it was maybe I think when they get into this the section where they where they find the food how it's being manufactured there yeah. little gelatin blocks yeah where yeah, do they get those bugs from I'm guessing they're grown on the train you know the we'll answer's see, yeah. it's a bit like Harry Potter if you can't figure out the answer to why something is you just say it's magic on this it's the same <laughs> you just say it's the train engine it's the yeah. sacred engine they've, yeah. they've somehow cobble it together and yeah Wilford yeah it's got bugs in all the compartments and they're collected in and then they're munched mushed up yeah yeah um so what else do I like about this but that said the directing of this film's really good like I must admit actually no I'll tell you what sorry it wasn't the bit where they um 
Like that bit's really good when they see the bugs and they're all reacting, and you know the main characters basically. Oh my gosh, you know I can't believe I've been eating this for the last, you know, <laughs> eighteen years. Yeah. It's actually when they go to rush the guards and they figure out there's no bullets in their guns, mm. and um, the director basically does like he does a style where he zooms in really quick and he cuts really fast, and the tension he builds the tension so quick in that scene, and at that point, for all its, you know, obvious kind of aesthetic you know it looks a bit like you know there's a heavy heavy influence from films like brazil you know they even call one of the characters gilliam in reference to terry gilliam you can that really got me at that point and i was bought in from there it becomes sort of a uh everything is silent and then he shouts they've got no bullets and that kind of echoes there's a significance and a weight attributed to that yeah, I like how visually daring this film is as well. There's a great night, you know, um, a night vision sequence where um, they're going through a tunnel and all the guards have night vision goggles and you see it from their point of view whilst they're fighting and basically slaughtering these people who can't see them and then they bring in torches to the uh, to the train, what they like, the, what do they call them, the train enders or the back enders? Tail, yeah, uh, tail enders. Tail yeah. enders, that's it, yeah. So and you mentioned that it's, a, that it's a, you know, it's a dystopian parable how I mean, where do you stand on dystopian movies generally? And do you feel like they have to be a parable? Do they have to be some sort of allegory, or is it just about the enjoyment of seeing people trying to survive? Where do you stand on that? It depends on the film, really, doesn't it? It depends on what the filmmaker wants to convey. Uh, a lot of the time, they're trying to push a message, aren't they? Um, certainly, when we were growing up a lot of the dystopian films were always nuclear holocaust sort of stuff the majority <laughs> of the time because that was the big thing and you know that dominated the previous 40 years up until when we were born essentially um so yeah so kind of that's this is a bit more of a, a slightly more modern uh concern yeah climate yeah. change basically yeah essentially and the original graphic novel that was more heavily influenced by environmentalism than like uh, capitalism that this this right, film is right. essentially uh, paraboling. And I think um, uh, that's a, that's a verb. Um, I think you haven't seen Parasite, is that right? No, I've not. This was the, this is the only um, film that I've seen by Bong Joon Ho. Right. I think this is the I'd, third of his I've seen. I've seen Okja and Parasite and now this. Uh, yeah. And you know, very similar themes across all. Yeah. Time. Yeah, and it, and um, um, it makes me start wondering: Is this a th- common theme in Korean cinema, or is it just this director? Kind of, you know, he wants to make films about social hierarchy. It is, is funny that, that actually because neither of us watch niche. that much. We don't watch that much Korean cinema. So you, yeah, you watch one Korean film, and you go, "Oh, so this is what Korean films are like." <laughs> you know, like if yeah, somebody like watched if... Fast and the Furious and like, well, that's what American films are like. <laughs> Full Monty, that's what British films are like, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, or if you watch. Um, City of God, you're like, well, that's what all Brazilian films are yeah, about, Brazilian you know, surviving, films. <laughs> surviving <laughs> the flavelas. Yeah. <laughs> um, is, um, is there a particular reason why you'd recommend this to me? Yeah, I, th- you, you know, you're always open to watching films from around the world, which is always a good sign. You know, it's I think a very that's American always... film, though, isn't it? To be fair, <laughs> it is a very American film, but it does have a. Which, which I was actually, to be honest, I was actually surprised at how American this film yeah, was. Yeah, me too, me too. I was expecting Chris Evans and one or two Americans and the rest Korean, I think. Yeah, yeah, I was as well. And they just kind of made, they just essentially threw in a couple of Korean actors here and there, made basically this the co-star of the film a Korean actor and his and his daughter is like kind of main characters that kind of emerge throughout the series of the film. But realistically... It is a Western audience, isn't it? That's uh, yeah. or a Western cast. So yeah, I was surprised at that. Um, but even so, it's still got its Korean sensibilities to it. Um, so I thought you'd enjoy that. Um, it's it's a different perspective, and I think that's something you really enjoy to see cinema of that different perspective, rather than just the same old fare that we always get, even if it is heavily funded by uh, a now hopefully defunct company. <laughs> quite frankly, I think, they, I think they filed for bankruptcy. I'm not sure. Well, I, so. I always with this. I always wonder: Did the other Weinstein know? Because isn't it? It was the brothers. Is it Harvey yeah. and Joel? I think. Yeah, um, is it Joel? I can't. Remember. I think you're right. Yeah, I, I mean, there must be. The yeah. I think he's not. He's not um, implicated in the crimes, but no. I think he's happy to not carry not carry on in the limelight. But I don't. Yeah. We don't know enough. I honestly don't. Uh, 
yeah, we don't want to don't want to uh, libel ourselves for anything here. No. <laughs> so yeah, so I think you'd enjoy that. I think you'd enjoy the story and the you know the parable like nature of the uh, film. Um, I knew that you'd seen Parasite and you said you'd enjoyed that. So I thought, well, you might enjoy this if you'd seen that. Um, yeah, that's all the reasons. Are there, are there things you would uh, you think I wouldn't like? So what I think you might not like. Maybe that it's perhaps it's a little too self-aware that it's of what it is, and that can maybe bore you a little. That you're just like, well, I'm, I don't buy into this because the film doesn't treat its characters as real people. Sometimes they're just bodies to be chopped in half by you know S and M esque guards, you know, <laughs> or they're you know the the unwashed masses, or they're faceless techno dancers in you know see-through <laughs> tank tops and things like that <laughs> that kind of way um yeah do you, think, do you think you... i liked it well let me tell you what else i think you might not oh, sorry, yeah. like i think you might have found it a little preachy maybe you know it does have a strong ethical message at the heart of this you know to the point where tilda swinton is basically a, a cut price margaret thatcher you know <laughs> Meets um, rose west yeah, <laughs> I haven't thought of that. <laughs> um, I can't take credit for that. Nick noticed it. She was like, "Is that Rose West?" <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe you weren't. Maybe you, you know, even though you like to watch other cinema, maybe you do find it jarring when other sort of countries try and attempt Western cinema, and it just kind of it's like a facsimile. It's a bit jarring. It doesn't really feel authentic. Maybe you didn't like that. You don't strike me as somebody who would find that, but maybe it just didn't strike a chord with you. But on balance, I would have to say you liked this film, quite honestly. All right, let's find out. So what we're going to do after the break, we're going to get Sam's jams on <laughs> Bong Joon-ho's uh, train epic Snowpiercer. Bong Joon-ho. Bong ho! Okay, join us after the break. <laughs> Hello and welcome back. So now, like we said before the break, we're going to get Sam's views on Snowpiercer. So Sam, as our time on a tradition, tell me what you liked about this film, first of all. Okay, I will tell you what I liked about this film. Um... Uh, I just made a bullet point list. Normally I, I, I write down notes that I almost read verbatim without it sounding like I'm reading, but just one or two word bullet point list. So the first thing I wrote down was it was unpredictable. I mean, it's predictable in the sense that, well, they're going to get to the front of the train and then probably kill Wilford. Um, but it was unpredictable in terms of what's coming up next. And I quite like those films where it's, you know, the next level, the next level. Like, have you seen The Raid? Yes. Yeah. Like that is just superb filmmaking, you know. They're just I think do they go up and then they've got to come down or do they work their way up and uh, then do you know what? I, I watched remember. it about six, seven years ago and I can't remember to yeah. be really But honest. either they've, they've got to work their way up the building or I think they're trapped at the top and they've got to work their way down fighting. Bruce Lee, his last film, The Game of Death. Have you seen that? Uh no, I haven't. So that's where he's got to go up sort of, I think five levels and he's got to fight an opponent on each level and they get increasingly more difficult as he goes up and it's a different and he died during the filming of it. I think it's Game of Death that I watched and uh, I was surprised by how little of the film was actually in this fight sequence going up and up the building and how much of it was just sort of bullshit around that. And I think I'm right in saying it's the Game of Death where um, they've, they'd filmed most of the fighting or if not all of the fighting but he died before they'd filmed a lot of the more story stuff and mm. I think the guy who stood in for him they made a little storyline where he gets hit by a car or something and he's in a full body cast including over his face so he's got <laughs> bandages all over his face so they can they can film it and go that's Bruce Lee um, I quite like that just as a concept like structurally as well that's quite good you know you've got it's different acts or whatever of the of the film and I really like that progression do you, do you like the linear motion literally yeah, in this case that exactly allows, that this kind of setup allows this inevitability of just going forward but then not knowing what's coming uh, in the next over the next hours yeah and and I did like this sort of complexity it could have been a lot more um, trite you know you talked about it maybe being preachy but what yeah. they did here, and obviously I'm not going to give anything away about Parasite because I know you haven't seen it, but no. on a, similarly with Parasite, they, it wasn't as simple as poor people are good and rich people are bad. Like when he gets to, to speak to Ed Harris, it wasn't you kind of empathize, em, empathize with uh, Wilford's kind of 
uh, whole shtick and balance and sustainable environments and they would kind of built that in a few times throughout the film um, which is great because he's not just he's not just evil and you have heard about the kind of excesses of the evil of this this regime and all this nonsense but they do yeah. make you understand try to make it it's like Thanos in Infinity War you know he's he's trying to kill half the universe but um a lot of people are like, yeah, Thanos was right. <laughs> they kind of empathise, and I don't, I don't fully agree with Ed Harris's character, obviously, but I think it's not as preachy as as, as he said it might could possibly be. I think it's a really good concept um, to have this parable because it's you know it's the arc, it's you know it's all of humanity's on there, and they kind of use that in their language. So the little boy uh, Timmy, uh, is it Timmy? Or Timmy yeah. Spencer, um, you know, and he says, what in the whole wide train? You know, like instead of the whole wide world, which I thought was, yeah. was quite good. A really dark humour. It is quite a funny film in parts. Mm. Um, or sort of quirky. It's not just bludgeoning you over the head with grit and like a forgettable film that's just, well, yeah. let, let's make it moody. And there action, are some yeah. very memorable comedic lines in this film, isn't there, where, you know, they put the shoe on, uh, on Mason's head and they... They, um, <laughs> the guy who's like clearly dying on the floor gets a pat on the head for the new year and things like yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or yeah. the bit just where she goes, "You're all." What did he say? She says, "You're all fucked." <laughs> yeah, that's right. that's again as it always happens. That just happened on screen as I'm watching it in the background. But yeah, that's a, that's a really good example. It is very yeah. twisty. You know, it's. I think on reflection and on rewatching it. It's more predictable than I thought, but that doesn't make any sense because I didn't predict it the first time I watched it. And I've, I've mentioned before, I'm quite stupid watching films, quite stupid most of the time as well. I, I let a film wash over me and catch me by surprise. I've, I've almost never see twists coming, um, which I'm very happy about, really. I, I, sometimes I wish I was more perceptive and kind of could predict these things, but actually, you know, I, quite, I quite like being stupid and being surprised. Yeah. If it's okay. a bad film, then I, then I see the twist coming. Um, okay, speaking of twists yeah. then... Did you see the twist in this film? Uh, there's a few. What What's the twist? Well, I would say to? the main twist, realistically, is that uh, Wilfred and Gilliam are actually in communication with each other, and they've cle- they've set up this system of this train to work. You know, it's you know, it's a closed ecology, and yeah, I don't think they... I, I didn't. I didn't honestly see that coming. And I watched the cinema sins for this, which I rarely do when we do these episodes when I'm being. Um, uh, when I'm being recommended a film because I know it will sort of you know shade my my view of it, but I, and he said, oh, it's obvious, but that's just foreshadowing. I thought, yeah, you know, in in like I say the way I watch films is I I take it at face value and it, like I say, if it's a bad film I'll see through it. If it's if it's a good film that that does it right, then I, then I don't see through it. I willfully lo- you know don't let myself think about it too much. I didn't yeah. see that coming. Did you see that coming? Um, see it's one of those where not because I know it and I've seen it twice now I'm like did mm. I? I don't think I did but then I don't think <laughs> I was I don't think I was overly surprised I, mm. I kind of just thought about the logistics of it I was like well how could in a train that's clearly packed the rafters with humanity he's got this little curtain between him and the rest of uh, the uh, steerage essentially um, yeah. how could he have had a you know, full-blown conversations. Um, Ed Harris says about, you know, two arms to hold a woman with or something like that. You're directly <laughs> quoting him. And it's like, at what point would he have spoken to him there? Yeah, yeah. 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 And and, so and when you, so is, when your brain yeah. starts doing that, you start going, oh, maybe this isn't as clever as it thinks it is. But at the same time, it, yeah, I don't think I did see it. But again, what's you know, really interesting is... is every is film, film has to have a twist, don't they, these days? Yeah, I think so. And, and a film like this, especially where it's this big conceptual film and I think when it comes to plot maybe maybe that's a plot or maybe that's just a a, a a bit of mental gymnastics that you have to do as we talked about mm. with The Quiet Place I think a film can be full of inconsistencies and plot holes but if it's done well you, you don't see them you know if it's yeah. done badly you, you see them and it's really not it's not a measure of a film by how consistent uh, it is and how few plot holes there are it's a measure that you didn't see them or, or think about them and that, you know when you mention that that's the first time I've thought about it. I'm like, yeah, I can buy that they can communicate. I'm fine with that, you know. Like I say, he's got his own little room, so that's that's fine. Um, you know, and it, it is very similar to, to Parasite in some ways. You know, one or two members of cast are very are the same and uh, some of the term, but it's really not Parasite at all, but the, the, social, the social commentary is kind of similar. There's even yeah. a big thing in Parasite is the smell. The smell of poor people, and then there's a little uh, a little bit of that in in this one as well, which was was great when I was watching it with Nick. She she noticed, oh, don't you, don't you see their uh, 
is what I smell. Again, I won't give any more away than that, but listener, if you've seen Parasite, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, um, so there's little, little, you know, breadcrumbs there. Uh, is there anything else you liked about it then? Uh, the, some of the performances were good. I, I really rate Chris Evans generally. You know, I do think he's a very solid kind of moody boy. <laughs> you know, he's a bit broody <laughs> and he's, but you kind of, he is a leader as much as he's got all those those issues um and i really you know that's maybe a twist as well you know when he's we'll get into it in favorite scenes when he's talking about the, the he wasn't uh, you know a boy scout from the start yeah uh, that is genuinely surprising because like, oh, it's chris evans he's captain america he's a boy scout he's of course gonna be clean and he's gonna have nothing on his conscience um yeah that i mean was it was really it, good work for me it was this film that kind of proved to me that he could genuinely act because right. I'd always, because you've, you know, there's been examples of actors who have been in, you know, action movies and not been very good actors outside of action movie settings, and that's all I'd ever realistically seen Chris Evans in was. As he's in action terrific. Films. He's funny in uh, not another team movie. I always knew he could be funny. He's that in that and Scott Pilgrim. I thought, yeah, he's somebody who, like Chris Hemsworth, you know, who yeah. is aware of aware of what they represent, and he's very good at, at setting that up. Yeah. So yeah, so um, again, don't want to do any, don't want to do too much foreshadowing of our own, but yeah, there's um, he gets a bit in this film, doesn't he, to really act the shit out of the film, effectively, yeah. out of the script, because he's um, holding back for the whole film. You know, he's, he doesn't say much. Uh, no. and then yeah that's did you find it weird when he swore <laughs> today when I, I watched funny, it again actually, yeah. when he swore <laughs> I was like oh Captain America's swearing <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah it's like yeah it's like seeing a parent swear when you're young or something like yeah. that you know, it doesn't make any sense or a teacher or something like that yeah <laughs> yeah so um, yeah, so that's so that's what you think thought was good about it. I mm. gathered anything else just before we move on to what no, you no, maybe didn't are, like about it. Those are the bullet points. Cool stuff. So next question, obviously, was there anything about this film that perhaps you didn't enjoy that you thought where it yeah. fell flat or it uh, missed the mark? Tilda Swinton was somebody who I didn't enjoy in this film. So you didn't um, enjoy her performance. That's interesting. No, I, I really. It's like she's just walked in out of a Wes Anderson film. And I like Wes Anderson films, but in the context of Wes Anderson films, it's exactly the same in Okja. Okja is a good film, and it has this message about kind of, um, well, it's about kind of treatment towards animals and so on. But Tilda Swinton comes in being this, like, oh, I'm doing a drama school thing that's going to appeal to drama school Wes Anderson kids. But I've got this accent and this ridiculous costume. Jake Gyllenhaal does exactly the same thing. and Everybody else is playing it straight this film everybody's playing it straight and it's brutal and it's dark and then she just comes on with this just this fake thing that makes me think oh that's Tilda Swinton right okay in a a wig and glasses and fake teeth and I quite like that her character was actually wearing false teeth that kind of um, that kind of helped you a bit but I thought oh this is this is like having you know um, when the whistle blows from extras it's like having Andy Millman what's his character's name Uh, I don't know what I'm talking about no, I'm not familiar with that bit of extras. It's many years since I've seen it, unfortunately. So in extras, he's got a you know a shit a shitcom a shitty sitcom, and he's got <laughs> wig and glasses. Oh, what's his name, Mister uh, Mister Stokes? You know, and he's it's, it's basically Mrs. Brown's boys. He's got the wig and the glasses, and it's yeah St- Stephen Fry as a cameo, and it's a bit undignified for people our age. And it and it yeah, it just completely does not work for me at all. I, I so really don't like it. That's interesting because I thought she, yeah, I thought it added a layer of character to it that was kind of not missing because there's a lot of because a lot of the heavy lifting in this film's done by the artwork and the art department you know the look of the um the tail enders is amazing quite honestly and mm. you know when you go through each section and there's different aesthetics so to have somebody who's kind of playing a almost you know like thatcher-esque character on this train you know a costco thatcher essentially <laughs> and uh yeah I, I thought she was really good in it actually um and I think she juxtaposed really well against Everson, Evans's serious rebel leader sort of thing. So, yeah, but I, I, mean, I, do, I get I the criticism. Like when she's in the right film doing this stuff, I'm fine with it. When she's in Grand Budapest Hotel doing this sort of stuff, it was like fine. But it just, I just really, and, and I think maybe Bong Joon Ho really likes her as this sort of thing. But it just felt like, oh, that's Tilda Swinton acting. Isn't this hilarious and brilliant and wonderful? Um, yeah. You know, with an accent that I'm sure is accurate. Of where it, is it Lancashire? Is I don't know. It wandered a bit at times. I noticed. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I just thought no, I, I, I just didn't like it at all. Speaking um, of wandering accents, why did they make Jamie <laughs> Bell do an Irish accent in this film? <laughs> it was not necessary, was it? It was so Plenty unnecessary. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's you've got, um, you know, lots of people from lots of different places, but he could have been from England. He's from England. So. He's from, yeah, he's from like Newcastle, isn't he? Yeah. You know, he's so. got a regional accent naturally. Well, <laughs> what we would class as a regional accent. Yeah. You know, he's got a strong yeah. accent to begin with. So, yeah, it's a bit, bit straight. It was, yeah, it felt jarring. And it's not as if there isn't plenty of decent Irish actors out there who could have done that role, yeah. you know? Um, um, but there you go. That's his life. Another thing, and I he's good in it. Sorry, I must admit, I think oh, he's yeah. good in it. And I thought yeah. one of the actual one of the drawbacks of this film is that he kind of gets it early on. And I felt it, the film was had lost some richness when he his character was gone because you the audience saw Evans's characters through his eyes at times, yeah. and I quite liked that. And it would have been nice if that character had made it to the end, and then you find out about him having actually killed his mother and them having that sort of you know they built they, they built some drama that they never fulfilled and it's again it's an emotional moment but I would have liked to have seen his reaction once you find that out yeah and I, and I think this film is very good at killing people off quite early I mean I was really genuinely surprised when um, Curtis shot Tilda Swinton's character yeah because yeah. I thought, wow there's, there's plenty of this film left to go and oh that's it um John Hurt's character gets killed relatively early, given how important he is. Yeah, know? very so unceremoniously, isn't it? Yeah, and it's got to kill them off so that Curtis is still on his own, basically. But yeah, it was I quite enjoyed that. I think it's it's a bold move, but I think I I, I liked that. Um, yeah, in terms yeah, of yeah, because a Hollywood film Sorry, might might not have done that with two two high profile actors. It might have done it with one, but it wouldn't have done it with two, would it? No, no, and and well, and Octavia Spencer as well. Again, yeah. relatively early. So there's still another few pass, uh, par- uh, carriages to go through before you know. Yeah, he does well quite early. Um, with regards to the social commentary, it's a bit heavy-handed. It's a, it's a bit kind of too on the nose. Right. You know, it's um, yeah. I don't know what more to say. Really, it's you know, it's like we get it quite early on we get it there's not enough complexity to to that social commentary I don't think right okay um, but I like you know I like the message I, you know we're from working class background so I always appreciate a story that kicks the rich people um, but yeah it's kind of like a bit kind of well I, it's hard to know what's adding other than maybe the ecosystem thing which I'm fine with you know which I think is a good development yeah but uh yeah, and I think trains have that delineation between first class and economy class, and then they've got the obviously the um, the uh, what do you call them? The well, they call it they call them freeloaders, don't they? Freeloaders, that's right. The people who yeah. just got on. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I don't, I, it, yeah, so I, I did like I said, I like the ecosystem balancing thing, but it didn't. It was a bit heavy handed, I think, which which is fine. Um, yeah. Also, the, I the think some, some... of... Um, oh yeah, go, yeah, that's a fair point. Yeah, mention that. What well, nothing comes of that, does it? There's no explanation no. for it. There's no. I don't really understand if that's making a point that I've missed. Well, I read online t- when I was doing my research for this, and it said basically that it was the, the 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 writers had cleared it up and said that the children born on the train have really good hearing. Apparently, so she wasn't clairvoyant; she just could hear better than everyone else. That right. was kind of the explanation for it, but again, it's a dead end plot line, isn't it? It is, and it uh, all it serves is a bit of dramatic tension when they're going through, and there's the older guys in the balaclavas that cover their eyes. Um, yeah, I wish I wish that it had, just a line. It just took, would have taken a line for it to be about her hearing because I thought is this some supernatural element that then they forget about? Or yeah, it doesn't strike as the maybe the most coherent narration, does it? It's an odd one. It's an odd one. Uh, yeah. I, where, where did you find out? Was it on IMDb or did you see an interview or something with that? Uh, I think I read it on IMDb. Uh, I might look into that a bit because that was that. Yeah, kind of didn't go anywhere. Um, the Ed Harris scenes I really liked because they they did kind of explain the whole point and that's what you've been building towards. But it was very reminiscent of the Matrix and the the architect. I expected him to start going, start saying ergo vis a vis, this sort of thing. It went on a bit, um, but it kind of had to because it was kind of underlining how uh, Curtis wasn't saying anything and was we kind of intrigued into how is he responding to this. And we do need to hear his entire diabolical plan. But it was a long bit of screen time that. Yeah, it takes up a good chunk of the film, doesn't it? At the end. Yeah, um, but I thought it was in a good way personally. Okay, so since we're moving into that territory, what is your favourite scene of the film? 
Well, let's... Uh, yeah, okay, let's do, let's do favourite scenes. So my favourite scene is just before he gets to Ed Harris, when he's talking to Nam uh, about the early days. It, it, you know, it's, it's Curtis finally breaking down. We're finally understanding why he's so passionate about getting there. We understand the complexity of his character. He's not just this Boy Scout. And it's really brutal yeah it was a I imagine if I saw it in the cinema they, I couldn't hear a pin drop in that in that scene um, for listeners who've not seen it or you've forgotten that's where he's talking about uh, how in the early days they weren't given any food or water for a month so they start, after a month they start to eat the weak and their babies and tells a great story that basically explains why what he said earlier about how can I be a leader when I've got both my arms I just thought it was a very moving scene and then it brings about as well Nam's character when he's explaining that actually he's been collecting the chronol to to make a bomb <laughs> rather than because he's a junkie and yeah, yeah I think it tied, tied everything together well enough that how about you? Um, yeah it was the same scene yeah it's yeah. Um, I, I just to add it's the showstopper isn't it that? yeah I just to add on to it I would say um the beauty of that scene is they could have done it in flashbacks. They could have quite easily just had a flashback where they maybe got somebody who looked a bit like Chris Evans or got him looking a bit younger and you see that exchange between him and uh, Gilliam and it's kind of done through narration rather than, um, you know, just a piece of pure monologue acting because you're there with him in that scene. You can imagine it in yeah. your head because you've seen what the rear of the train is like. You've you've seen the environment that they're in. So yeah, I think that was a it was way, good, it was I, way it was, better way better than the flashback, wasn't it? It was, yeah. And that's and it wouldn't have worked if you didn't buy into that character's story. Yeah. And his reluctance uh, and him saying, Oh I'm not what you think I am the bit where he shows his arm and he shows that this, and he's talking about the scar healing up and all that sort of thing so yeah. yeah it's and then I think it's closely followed probably by the Ed Harris bit is it's good that bit I must admit but it it's not as good as the fight scene is it and that would be balaclavas yeah, the yes. balaclavas, the then them stopping for New Year's Day, and then and then <laughs> you know the going. funny thing with with that scene, I did I did find a lot of things good about that. There were a couple of things I didn't quite go for, and that was it was a bit shaky cam, a bit difficult to see what's happening, which kind of shows it's chaotic and so on. But the other thing was that I just thought there's no way that these people are going to get through. They don't have weapons. I was really I was a bit taken out of it by then because I thought it's kind of cutting away enough and it's shaky cam enough that we don't have to see how they managed it really we just go yeah. yeah there's a lot of people against a lot of people but these guys have all got axes and they're clearly trained for this they haven't been starved uh, it, it actually as much as we talk you know a lot about you know dis- suspension of disbelief that actually lost me a bit there I was kind of waiting yeah. for that to be over because I thought yeah they're going to plenty of them are going to survive can we just get this over with I'm not I'm not really buying it right okay yeah yeah that's fair enough I can see how that you could yeah it, it does it does toy with it a little bit when you've got these people who are like you said they've clearly trained for it and they've got these you know again it's stylized violence isn't it for the action's sake and it's it's a plot device rather than a um ends an end in itself isn't it it's it's a barrier for them to get through before they move on to the more important parts of the the narrative um but i I enjoy it i enjoyed it i thought it was well shot um i like the tracking shot the slow-mo tracking shot you know, like I said, um, a la old boy, and uh, there's a scene that does that in 300 as well, which is really good. Um, mm. I enjoyed that bit. I enjoyed the point of view where you see it with the night vision. Uh, we saw Sicario that had the night vision in it a few months back, and yeah, it kind of re- reminded me of that a lot. Um, and I'd kind of forgotten about it, even though I'd only watched this film last year. So yeah, so those two, you see how two good directors sort of deal with the same thing in different ways is always intriguing, I found. Um, mm, yeah. And I also really like the bit with the school. Uh, that bit's a bit more suspension of disbelief heavy. You've got to really dig in a bit there to believe that. Why would these kids be, you know, they know there's a revolt going on. <laughs> why would yeah. they still have the kids in the school? So it's, And why would they be watching this film that's the history of Wilford? And you think, do they watch that every single day? That's a bit like we talked about last week or the week before, you know, the idea you put the, you put the television on or the radio on and it's the story that's pertinent to the film that you're yeah. in at the moment. It's a bit like, well, we've just arrived and we're just getting a bit of a history lesson. It's really for our sake. That that was a bit kind of... Hmm, but yeah. It's, more certainly done. Yeah, it's not... And like you said earlier, the, you know, the, if you're going to criticise it, there is a bit of that, you know, it's very heavy on the... Uh, 
it is a bit heavy on the the message and you know yeah. look what's happening these kids are being indoctrinated into this class yeah, warfare yeah. system but yeah i i enjoyed it though the songs were brilliant <laughs> when alison pills singing a little heart out about um the train and it keeping them all alive and then yeah. you know they're putting their hands up to their nose to say that they would freeze to death you know <laughs> Yeah, I really enjoyed that bit, but yeah, the best bits the bit just before he goes in to see Will uh, before he goes in to see Wilford. That um, is yeah, for me a country mile ahead of everything else. Does it make the bit do you think it be, do you think it makes the bit with Wilford a bit anticlimactic then? Because once you've watched that bit you think back to the film in your mind's eye and you go, oh, actually the best bit of the film probably before he met him and it was kind of a bit of an anti climax. Maybe, but I think it does set up what happens next quite well. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, th- I think it's. I think it's fine to do that. Does it? Does it oh. make? Um, I suppose it makes Gilliam's betrayal stronger. I guess then, ultimately. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, favorite line. Then. Favorite line. It's in that scene. Uh, yeah. It's in that scene. You know. I think you know what I'm going to say. Um, yep. You know what I don't like about myself. I know what people taste like. I know that babies taste the best, and that is such a concise way of making me feel some very strong feelings. <laughs> yeah. I'm laughing out of nervous laughter there because of how... Because <laughs> he's in bits in that film, you know. He's like, I don't want mm. babies to... Like, you know, you, oh, the thought of it alone is terrifying, isn't it? That you'd so be much, driven to it's such so extremes. Much more, it's so much more, more visceral than if you saw, like, say, a flashback with... You know, you couldn't show him eating baby or you'd have to do it almost euphemistically or he'd be eating it and it'd just look like chicken on the screen. Mm. That wouldn't have any effect him saying I know that babies taste best that is yeah that hits it much harder than a vision there was a part of me that thought perhaps that uh, when he looked inside the food dispenser or the processor oh, it was yeah, going to yeah. be the little kids I, I, that's 100% what I thought yeah, yeah that's 100% what and actually when Eddie Harris was eating steak that's what I thought was going to oh right yeah no I think when I realised it was the bugs and they had the chicken and all that I was just like oh it's yeah, well, yeah, maybe. That's one of those I've seen it now, so I don't really remember what I thought at the time. Yeah, um, but no, we, we, I mean, even me and Nick both said out loud, uh, he's eating the children. He really likes young children. We know that babies taste best. He's eating steak. Uh, we haven't seen the children yet. We haven't seen Timmy. And uh, luckily, it was another level of smart on top of that. Yeah. Um, well, that was my favourite line as well, because we both knew that was the best bit of the film. Yeah, so, they are the standout bits. There's one yeah. final thing that I didn't really like about this film, and it's the title. Oh, yes. it's it, and, and the poster, it looks very mediocre. It looks like a lot of other Amazon Prime films that you find when you've been scrolling for five minutes <laughs> and you get to the real dirge and the films that you didn't know Chris Evans were in. Oh, you know, <laughs> the ones that, that you didn't know... The Nick Cage films that he made yeah, to try to pay his tax bill. Was it? bill exactly. Yeah. It just yeah. doesn't. It doesn't work. So we we put it out on the socials. We kind of hijacked a, a film group rather than our own group. Well, I'll be honest, because we don't get enough engagements. And I put it out there. I've got twelve here on my list. That I've taken <laughs> I think from I've got a similar amount. Yeah, I wanted to surprise you with this, but it turns out she was a, a, a member We're of that page. So I might have invited you. Yeah, and so I said, what you know, what would be a better title do you want to tell us some of your we've got more than 50 suggestions do you want to tell us some of your <laughs> what would be a better title for this film uh so i've just written them down more or less as they came so i've got uh, at the top here i've got thomas the dank engine for fury tracks <laughs> that was theo resgard thank you for that oh resgard i've not um, i didn't note down who said each one oh i'm um, credit them i'm credit them yeah well then let's hope we've both got the same ones I've got to say the next one I've got is Bong Choo Choo <laughs> yeah there was a lot of uh, that was Callum uh, Reviles Reveal whatever I don't know how to pronounce his surname but Callum thank you yeah Bong Choo Choo a lot of play on Bong Choo um, for example a lot of play on Electric Boogaloo as well Polar Express mm. 2 Electric Bong Who uh, Bong Joo Ho that was Ian yep. Cruz who did that lots of that <laughs> um the next one I've got here is Charlie and the Chocolate Factory 2, Class War. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't note that one down, actually, but yeah, there are a few, we haven't talked about that. Have you have you seen the, the video essays on why no. this is a sequel to Willy Wonka and the Chocolate no, Factory? No, I, I was going, I, I, I was looking, I was doing my research today and I avoided them because I get the inference and I understand the illusions, but personally, I'm not overly convinced by that argument. I think it's just a nice, I'll it's a you, nice little comedic segue. That I it is people works. reaching, but I tell it you, is. if you watch them, and there's a second one as well that goes in further. It even says sort of character by character who is who. Yeah, uh, I so think that's you know, just. 
I think it's just luck more than... It totally, else. it 100% must be, but there are a few that are a bit like, oh, this is, works so well that it's just really good luck or it's unconscious or it's something... Uh, and so, listener, you know, I'll put a, I'll put a link on Twitter. Um, uh, but this is a sequel to Two Great Souls. Speaking of Willy Wonka, we've got Willy Wonka 2, Electric Booga Chew. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, there we go. That was Wesley Gregory. Yeah, Willy Wonka 2. Electric. A lot a lot on Electric Boogaloo. Uh, yep. Uh, things. I quite liked Train, the metaphor. <laughs> Train told them the metaphor. <laughs> now, I don't know how to pronounce this person's name. I'm going to say T.A.C. Tyrannis. I really don't know how to pronounce your name. Sorry about that, Mr. Tyrannis. Or um, since I don't know. Good. Would you like another train one? Go on. The train that was capitalism. Yeah, Juan Rodriguez. Well done. That's a good one. <laughs> there was uh, a lot of a lot a lot on the riff of this is clearly a social message. Um, we live in a society train. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't that see that one. Matt Byrne. Matt Byrne. Well done. <laughs> that was I, one of my favourites. <laughs> I saw this one as well, which I really liked. Uh, Capital trainism. Yeah, <laughs> these, these are great. So you might have seen this listener if you if you're on I've Facebook. Got, on, we, I, we can say the group name. I've, I'm uh, going to go through all of mine here because they're so, they're just too good. Um, one of my favourite was Brr, train go fast. <laughs> yeah, Rebecca Dickey. Well yeah. Speaking of that, I've got Ice Penetrator. You know, someone taking it <laughs> quite literally. Yeah, yeah. Just just slightly changing the word and yeah. Yep. Um, bong choo choo. Oh no, I've said that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really bong like choo choo. Yeah. Another one I really like. No pew pew, but I still kill you. Cold from Mike, <laughs> Mike Dart. <laughs> so no bullets, but I'll still kill you. Um, the best one that I saw on that group personally for me was Too Polar to Express. <laughs> yeah, I didn't write that on the first one. That, that, that was good. Last last one from me. Bit of a long one from Kelly Kelly Thompson. You put your left arm out. You keep your left oh, arm yeah. out. They pull your le- pull your left arm in and shatter it with a hammer. You do the hokey pokey and you turn yourself around. And that's what it's all about. <laughs> <laughs> um, what have I got left? I've got two more here. I've got um, no, I've got I've got three more. So I've got Snowy McSnowface. Yeah, of course, yeah. Yeah, you can have Trainee McSnowy McSpace, all sorts of, <laughs> you know, riffs on that one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this one I quite liked was uh, the Polar Marks Express. <laughs> that was uh, my personal contribution. Oh, that was yours? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, then the next, the second to last one I've got here is Captain America. The Winter Soldier. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, just the name of another film that actually fits. <laughs> My last last one that I really like because it's a it's a nod to The Simpsons from Leon Sosa, the train that couldn't slow down. Because <laughs> do you remember that episode? He's describing the film Speed, and he says it's about a bus that goes can't go below fifty miles an hour. I think it was called the bus that couldn't slow down. <laughs> no, I don't actually. Um... <laughs> But so then well, my f- well done to all you. Oh, you got one more. Go on, yeah, yeah, my final one because this mix and it's the best one as the last one. The best one. What the fuck? Right. A polar bear? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Imagine that the title. That's the last frame of the film. <laughs> yeah. So well done to all those in the patrician uh, group on Facebook. We'll, we'll, we'll put some links out and I'll, I'll mention it that they've all got a, a cheeky mention there. Mm. Uh, yeah, so we've got favourite scene. Should we uh, find out what the critics thought? Yep, I was. I did have a couple more quotes here that I wanted to get in. Oh, that I thought some, were really good. Um, so, in fact, they're both from the final scenes, basically f- between the exchanges between uh, Curtis and Wilford. The first one is Wilford says, "Curtis, everyone has their preordained position, and everyone in their place except you." And then Curtis replies, "That's what people in the best place yeah. say to the people in the worst place," which and is I wonderful. Sp- That's true and fits the film. It had been it had been said before. It's the shoe on the head. That whole thing. That was really great. And then the other bit of like philosophy sort of self-justification Wilford has in this film, he says, I believe it is easier for people to survive on this train if they have some level of insanity. As mm-hmm. Gilliam well understood, you need to maintain a proper balance of anxiety and fear and chaos and horror in order to keep life going. And if we don't have that, we need to invent it. In that sense, the great Curtis revolution you invented was a true was truly a masterpiece. So yeah, I think that's, that's another... And, and the whole balance thing is a bit matrixy, a bit architecty, but it, it fits the film and... Yeah, so it, yeah. it's a bit heavy-handed, well, it's, but it, does, it does the job. It has its place in many philosophies around the world and, you know, social hierarchy understandings and, you yeah. know, feudalism, you know, uh, the caste system in uh, 
in India. India? Um, yeah. China famously has its own version with legalism and Confucianism and all that. So it's there's a solid base of, you know, people being in their, you know, predetermined place, and that's something and, that's and I think on, on interesting to reflect on. Maybe something that's probably easier to appreciate in South Korea rather than here is, um, particularly the way that Tilda Swinton's character talks about Wilford you know the great divine all this sort of stuff it's very much yeah. how they talk about the leader in north korea yeah and i feel like that's and it's similar in, in parasite again not giving anything away one character imitates what north korean newscasters are like in kind of praising their divine leader or whatever yeah. on his um and uh yeah that's something that we can appreciate from afar but maybe in south korea there's even that's even more at the forefront of their consciousness because they're neighbors with this unbelievable country yeah, indeed. Yeah, that was um, very much in the forefront actually when I was watching it at first, and then the bit when they're about to fight um, the the guards. Um, I was also kind of reminded of the French Revolution as well. Certain similarities there about you know the um, you've got the different estates within that society and the ancien regime and all that. So yeah, right, you, right. you can get layers into this. I'm not going to yeah go on. We're meant to be fun and light here. So we're going to do some. <laughs> After the break, we're going to do the critics' response. We're going to get your rating out of 10, and we'll find out what that uh, is this week. <laughs> and then we're going to um, we're going to have a quiz, and then we're going to wrap it up. So join us. Yeah, so join us after the break and we'll do all that. Hello and welcome back to Please Watch This. So now what we're going to do before we get Sam's rating is we're going to get what the critics thought of uh, Snowpiercer, aren't we Sam? That's what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to start off with Andrew Pulver of The Guardian. He said, Something of absurdist theatre, Terry Gillingham meets Samuel Beckett, despite the drawn-out <laughs> production process, which, if you want, I can go into, but essentially he was arguing with the producers, the director, and he managed to get the bit where the fish is gutted into the film by lying oh, right. to uh, one of the Weinsteins. Yeah, he told him that it was a tribute to his father who used to um, be oh. a, a fisherman <laughs> and he said he wasn't. <laughs> I heard about that when he was doing the promo for Parasite. That's great, is that? Yeah. Um, the Bong Joon-ho directed sci-fi fable about a giant train turns out a wonderfully realised delight. So he gave it four out of five stars. Um, so that's good, I think. Very positive. Like. I do think it is. Four out of five is a great rating. Yeah. Um, so the next one is from uh, Peter Travers again of the of Rolling Stone. He said, uh, "Snowpiercer." He's been on a few times. He has good Craig. Snowpiercer is everything Transformers: Age of Extinction wishes it could be. A <laughs> slam bam sci-fi thriller with a brain, a heart, and an artful sense of purpose. You're in for a wild rush of a ride. So yeah, nice. nice little so, sort of pop uh, culture so, I mean, sort of thing. Damning with faint praise saying this is better than Transformers 4 or whatever Age of Extinction is, but <laughs> still positive. Well, I, don't, well, I don't know if it's damning with fake praise, but it's definitely saying this is what Transformers aims to be and it's clearly not yeah. anymore or it's never getting there and, you know, it's showing that what you can do with a, a good a good original idea and, yeah. you know, a decent director. But, you know, not all critics were uh, were praiseful. They, they might have enjoyed certain things, but they didn't think it was uh, amazing. Um, so we've got here, we've got a... Uh, we've got a review from The Wrap by Inku Kang, and sh- they say, I'm not sure if that's a man or woman, apologies, I'm not sure if that's a man or woman's name. Um, they say, thought it's not, though it's not lacking in imagination, Snowpiercer is certainly the latter, a surprisingly experiment in tone and character that also works as a self-conscious action flick, simultaneously embracing and rejecting Hollywood blockbuster conventions. But the film's two halves fall to uh, coalesce. Sorry, the film's two half fail to coalesce. The battle between Chris Evans' square-jawed everyman hero and Tilda Swinton's over-the-top villainess is like watching a can of meat boxing a killer clown nothing <laughs> connects snow and then she goes on to say snow pierces warms the heart but doesn't penetrate it so hmm. she bit like she clearly liked it to a point but didn't th- think it landed as well as it maybe should have yeah yeah so a bit, of a mixture there. a bit of a mixture there yeah so i haven't actually asked you do you like this film then yes so i was right you did like it. i thought you would yeah. i thought this was 
maybe I thought it was going to be an easy win to be honest because you'd like Parasite and so I thought you would you were into the style of this filmmaker so that's good um, so at then so now that I know you like the film how many succulent babies out of ten would you give this film <laughs> those uh, lovely oh, lovely babies they taste best they, they taste yeah. best Get you those killer abs. <laughs> you know, Chris Evans' uh, extreme, you know, dietary intake. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the Marvel way, isn't it? That's how you get it. Is. Yeah, Camille was doing that all year. Um, I was explains really a lot about Mel Gibson, doesn't it? <laughs> I was I was really struggling with the the rating. I'm sort of torn between a seven point five and an eight, and I think I think what about a seven point seven five. Come on, seven point seven five. the difference. Oh. Let's go. Let's go four digits. Yeah, okay, seven point seven five. Because it's, I gave the fighter seven point five, and this is better than the fighter. But eight out of ten is a means a very very good film, and I think this is a good film, and has lots going for it. I'll, I'll go for seven point seven five. Okay, well First. that's Sam's rating, listeners. He w- would you recommend this film then, Sam? Yes, yes, I would. I would. Uh, yeah. Anybody who quite likes dystopian films, I think this would be great. Anybody who w- liked Parasite, I think they'd enjoy this. If you like Chris Evans, you'd like this. Yeah, I think there's a lot to be said for it. To say it's an action film, it's very different, isn't it? Yeah. It's it's up there with your Brazils and your... I don't know what else is kind of similar to it. Brazil's obviously the big striking resemblance. Um, Escape from LA. I don't, I don't know, yeah. Yeah, yeah maybe not. Yeah, maybe I suppose not. he's got some of that campy over-the-topness that maybe Escape from LA has, but that's not a good film. No. Uh, this and, one and has, it, I think this one has... a lot of genres, which probably... See, I'd, uh, see the thing I don't agree with uh, in Kukan there is that I don't. I think this film does warm the heart because there is a heart at the centre of this film. And it's... What, the, uh, the sacred engine? But there is away. that... That's one way of looking at it, yeah. But it's you know it's about those little kids, isn't it? Essentially, they're trying to save those kids, although they'd probably die. I mean, this film is a bit bleak in the end as well. I thought, yeah, bleak with a little bit of hope. Yeah, for polar bears. Uh, what the fuck? A, pa- a polar bear? I think that was the title. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. Right. So I know you're a man who always likes a good quiz. Bloody Are you quiz. ready for the quiz? It's my birthday tomorrow. We're going to do a quiz uh, off air. We're not going to release it as a podcast. I just like quizzes. It's my birthday, I get to tell people what to do, so quiz me up. Quiz me up, Dempsey. Will do. So, question one. What is the name of the chemical that is sprayed into the atmosphere at the beginning of the film? CW17. Or CW7. CW7. Yeah, well done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Saved it there at the end. I'll take it. Well done, that's one. Thanks. What? So, what does Tommy want to... Sorry, not Tommy, Timmy. What does Timmy want to play with for a whole hour? <laughs> the ball. He does indeed. Well done, yeah. two out of two so far. What is the name of the drug that people are addicted to? Cronol. Well done, three out of three. Ooh, is it going to be oh, a full yeah. sweep tonight? Go on. What is the name of the bridge that they cross to signify that a year has passed? Oh, right, I'm going to mangle this. I'm just going to think out loud. It's something like... Yan- Yanateka Bridge, Yatameka. You can can a, it's got it's got all those letters in it. I think there's a Y, <laughs> there's a T, there's a K. Yanateka, Yakantameka. <laughs> I'd is like it? to give it to you, but I can't. I'm afraid. What is it? Just it's Yakaterina. Yakaterina. I was pretty close. Pretty close. You, but you, fair I, mean, I, didn't, I didn't get it. I didn't get it. No, you didn't. <laughs> you were close you got it's my birthday other... tomorrow I mean, it's look, my birthday in an hour can you just <laughs> cut me some yeah. slack here hey look if this was an hour later maybe <laughs> I played all the right notes just not necessarily in the right order indeed yeah <laughs> that was for the kids that the reference that was, to yeah, uh, that was 1970 <laughs> or something like that I think it was yeah. um, so how many years into the train's journey was the revolt of the seven Ooh, Revolt of the Seven. So um, that's a tricky one. I don't know for certain. Was that the, was that the revolt that came before this one? Am I allowed to ask uh, that No. The, so okay. there was the Revolt of the Seven. Then there was I can't remember the name of the other revolt, but that happened about was it six years into it? Seven. That was in seven. That was seven years into the journey. Okay. So this one came before that one, and then the the inference is that bugger all's happened for ten years. Well, there was a revolt four years before this, of course, where they where they wasted all their bullets. There was. So, 14 years? No. 
Okay, what was it? When was it? Seven years? It was, nine nine it years? Was, it was know. only three years into the uh, journey. Three years. They, could, they couldn't they wait just... more than three years in desperate poverty and isolation and uh, yeah. terrible situation. Terrible. Well, that's the end Work of the quiz, Sam. So this week you managed to get three out of five. So Good you did well enough, but you know, as it ramped up with difficulty there, in fairness. Yeah, well, here's, it, here's, a, here's what should be a well, very they were question hard, for those you. last two questions. Here's a question for you that I prepared uh, for you to ask me as a really difficult question. On what date did they release the CW7 into the skies? Well, I've got one in 365 chance here. Unless they did it on a leap year. What, what year? Oh, it was 2014. I know that. That's correct, yeah. So, the quizzy has become a quizzer. 7th of July. You're very, very close. You've got the, the right fall. month. It's the 1st of July. Ah, the 1st of July. Never mind. There Never you go. Mind. We can't get them all correct, can we, listeners? No, no, we can't. No. Well, more's the pity. Was, more's the pity. More's the pity. You're right. Well, Sam, that was uh, Snowpiercer. Um, I really enjoyed watching that again. Actually, I only watched it last year, and I really had fun with it this week. And uh, yeah, I suppose maybe it's the uh, the pandemic outside. I suppose is uh, <laughs> is making me think about these sort of social issues. But there you go. Yeah. It was good fun. Well, you know, funny you should mention that because um, next week's film is going to be interesting. Do you want to? This is the point where you can ask me if you want what we're going to watch next week. Well, I think you've already got there, haven't you, Sam? <laughs> <laughs> Done the legwork. Um, we're gonna yeah, watch what are we going to watch next week? The classic um, Stephen King adaptation, Misery. And again, there's a quarantine vibe, I would say. Not per- not on purpose, actually, but just occurred to me. So, for a while now, we've done a lot of films that we've both really liked, but they're not necessarily that iconic or essential. You know, we started our podcast with Star Wars, Indiana Jones, and Princess Bride, and all these... I don't think we've done a big essential film for a little while. This one is a, a film that everybody knows. Lots of people haven't seen. They feel guilty about not having seen it. So, Hugh, what do you know about Misery? Um, well, in fact, it's funny you should bring this film up because the person who actually told me about this film was you. Um, oh, right, many years okay. ago. Yeah, I hadn't heard of it until you mentioned it uh, when we were about maybe 15 or 16, I right. think. Memory said maybe 14. Um, yeah, you just ca- one day we went and played tennis and as we were walking back home, you casually mentioned, we were talking about novels and Stephen King films and things like that, and you said, oh, have you ever seen Misery? I said, I've never heard of it. And you said, you should definitely watch that. And this was before the age of streaming so I've never had a chance to watch it then wow. again when I realised we were going to do this podcast I put it off and thought we would have it on the podcast so all I know is I think a writer goes to write a film or something um, sorry not a film a writer goes to write a novel perhaps no that's The Shining so <laughs> there's somebody I think he is a writer though yeah, I can do you know what? confirm or deny. Yeah, yeah so that's so I am enjoy. right <laughs> yeah so I think he's a writer and he goes away to he must go somewhere and uh, basically a woman who's I think obsessed with his writing she's like a housekeeper for him and he I think he hurts himself and she starts looking after him but instead of like being carative and you know looking after him in a nice way nursing him back to health she basically convinced she basically you know captures him and treats him like a prisoner so she can keep hold of him because she thinks he's great or something like that I don't know yeah I'm a bit foggy with this one but I have the kind of gist of it I think yes it's not it's not a complete new like Snowpiercer I knew nothing about before we watched it Misery I think that's a bit more do you know anybody who's in it is it James Kahn James Kahn yeah and I can't remember the actress's name unfortunately I think you're gonna. I think you're gonna like it. You know, it's, we've talked a lot about horror. It's not really horror. It's more Stephen King thrillery type thing. I, I really, I really think you're gonna like it. And um, I hope so. I'm looking it's been a while it. since you liked a film that I recommended. So <laughs> let's let's find out next week. So listeners, thank you for joining us. Um, we will talk to you next week. Let's talk Come a little bit about week. how how might you engage with us, Hugh? How might they get in touch with us? Well, Sam, what they need to do is when the apocalypse comes and the world freezes over, they need to board a train. And so three need... months from now, yes. Yep, in about three months from now, <laughs> they need to board a train. Um, try and get into the, at least the uh, like the economy middle class tickets because it's going to be a nightmare. You're getting out of the uh, steerage and the. Uh... Does it have to be a train that Charlie Bucket from Willy Wonka has um, designed and made? <laughs> yes, it does. Okay, good, good, yeah. good. But if you can't find a fictional character from a Roald Dahl novel, a general um, eccentric <laughs> entrepreneur billionaire will do. I mean, there's plenty just of them a, out just there. Just a self-sustaining train that's got an aquarium. I mean, yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, 
Ten a penny, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so what they need to do then is they need to get on that train. They need to somehow maybe smuggle a message to the outside world where I will be, despite the fact the world is frozen over. Um, mm. And you just so I know. What it has about to be like watermarked with Wilford, maybe. Right, so I know it's sense. come from that, otherwise I won't read it. Should they maybe send you a protein block with a, a small red capsule in it? And that... I mean, if they can fit a whole email inside that, that'd be great. <laughs> now, you mentioned the word email there. That leads you yeah. to suggest maybe there's well, an email address. I mean, if the mm. world doesn't end in three months' time and become right. a frozen snowball drifting through space... Um, That's a big if. What they c- if, yeah. It's bound to happen again. Yeah. Um, but maybe in a few billion years. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, what they need to do is they need to email us at pleasewatchthis.pod.com at gmail.com I'll okay, repeat that there. one more time uh, please watch this dot pod at gmail.com Sam but if they you know if they just can't, can't be asked composing a letter mm. of sorts or you know emails too much effort for them which I totally understand in these bleak desolate quarantine times how else can they reach us through the world of the internet <laughs> this gets longer and longer each week um, fucking does doesn't it <laughs> <laughs> edit all this out just have the email address and the, the Twitter uh, so they can get with us on Twitter at please watch pod we're also on Facebook we've got a page please watch this but Twitter's the place to be we're most active on that do get engaged with us we have hundreds of listeners but uh, almost no engagement uh, from listeners so you know leave us a review that'd be nice just for our own sake we're not promoting this podcast for any other reason uh, it make us feel nice and uh, make me nice feel all warm, warm and fuzzy inside yeah I mean Hugh have you ever left a review for a podcast that you listened to when they implored you to re- leave a review of course I have some but because we're running out of time I don't have time to talk about it right now but just take it for granted that yes we do it all the time a couple times like, a day I would say can't move for them online yeah yeah sick of it alright well uh, li- listener we love you dearly and we hope that he there isn't this global um, you know apocalypse so that you can we can see you next time in person like ideally elbows we'll set up maybe even a hand yeah get you all on there alright yeah. guys he loves you so take I care I love you dearly and uh, I'll, we'll talk at you next week yeah, bye see you next week bye, bye.